Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 29th? No, yes, the 29th of uh, June. 29th almost, of June. Almost the end of six months, almost halfway up the year and we're still going strong, Giselle. Isn't it great? My name is Pierre Morrow. I'm Giselle Hannam. We're taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Going strong is a very uh, generous uh, um, interpretation of where we're at. Actually, no, I, I actually agree with you, I think, as an international labour movement, we are still going strong. We are just facing uh, probably the battle of our lives. That's right. And, well, I would, I'll only make one slight adjustment, probably battles. There's battles everywhere. But anyway, you are listening to your favourite radio show on the, on the airwaves, Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links and Giselle. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web. At the moment, our website is still all the w's.aawl.org.au, but our IT team has been furiously working away um, and there are a few sites that we're going to launch in the next mu- uh, couple of months. So do stay tuned for our uh, online presence and we will announce the, that information as it comes. That's right. It's very exciting and uh, it's always uh, it always takes longer than you think. But thanks to um, So That We Breakfast for another very interesting program and that um, a song that you were listening was from Mia Dyson singing Sweet Struggle so that's nice although I have to say some of the stories we're going to bring you today are nothing at all with sweet are incredibly sad but Anyway, that's that's what happens, but so, not all of them. But um, Pierre, tell us, what is the story in the second part of the show today? You took the words out of my mouth. We have an interview with Abhinav Sinha, who is the national spokesperson and member of the National Convening Body of the Revolutionary Workers' Party of India, that will look at... Um, some of the reasons why um, Modi's government in India um, had such a a huge win in the recent elections and what it means for workers in India. So they will come uh, uh, probably around quarter past nine o'clock. So stay tuned for that. um, Very interesting as usual. But um, time time now for news from around the region. We're going to start in Indonesia. Last Friday, 30 people were killed when a fire broke out in a lighter factory in the village of Sambareo, uh, which is 70 kilometres from the regional capital of Midan in Sumatra. The factory was not licensed or registered. Survivors have told authorities that the fire broke out when a worker was checking to see if the lighters were working. One of these lighters exploded, which then triggered a mass explosion of the thousands of ready-to-pack lighters which were nearby. Most of the workers could not escape as a front door was locked and the other entrances and windows were walled up. Of those killed, 24 were women workers, while the other six were children of these workers brought to work due to the lack of alternative childcare. The fire was so intense that DNA samples were required to identify the bodies. The factory owner, manager and supervisor have all been detained. 
I mean, it's hard to even comment on on that at the at the horribleness of the story and of the, obviously of the working conditions. Yeah, these these uh, locked doors um, with the Bangladesh Fire and Building Accord. We almost thought those days were over, but not to be, and certainly not e- even in Bangladesh. We know that factory doors are still locked. Um, at, at huge, as we can see, health and safety risk for workers. That's right, and uh, of course, people will remember the Kadatoi. A factory fire in Bangkok or oh, decades ago, uh, maybe 20 more years ago, and that was uh, hundreds of workers died there and, and things still seem to be very hard to change. But now we go to Cambodia where another tragic uh, incident. Um, just before dawn on Saturday, the 22nd of June, a seven-storey steel and concrete building under construction in the Cambodian coastal town of Sihanoukville collapsed without warning, trapping construction workers who were sleeping on the site. While a number of survivors were pulled out of the rubble in the subsequent days, 28 workers were killed while another 26 were injured. Seven people, including five Chinese nationals, were charged this week with involuntary manslaughter and conspiracy over the building collapse. The um, port and resort town of Sihanoukville has seen a large influx of investment in recent years, especially in the casino, property and tourism sectors. Given Cambodia's lax regulations, weak enforcement and widespread corruption, many questions had been raised in the past about construction standards. And again, very tragic. And also another one of those... um, situation Giselle where the workers um, sleep on on site and so the dangers just multiply Uh, In China yesterday, Friday the 28th of June, it marked the 100th day since Labour activists Wei Jili and Qi Chengbing were detained by the authorities in Guangzhou, along with their colleague Yang Zhengzhun, who was detained earlier. They are being held under residential surveillance at a designated location. They've had no contact with either their families or legal representatives. All the three men worked at iLabor, an independent news and human and labour rights advocacy platform established in 2013. Recently, they had been supporting and advocating for a group of migrant workers from Hunan who were demanding compensation for their occupational disease, pneumoconiosis, um, uh, sorry. Which is a lung disease. That's right. So they were fighting for compensation for that, which they contracted while employed on construction sites of Shenzhen, a struggle that we reported on last year. Authorities have stated that all three have been charged with picking quarrels and provoking trouble. While there is a solidarity campaign by workers and fellow labour activists, these people are also coming under pressure from Chinese authorities. Uh, Zheng Churan, who is the wife of Wai Zheli, has had to leave Guangzhou while others have been reportedly beaten. I have to say, um, uh, I know it's a very serious uh, issue, but the inventiveness of the Chinese authorities to for what the charges are uh, some, somewhat leaves you speechless, really. Um, well, we now go to another um, item of uh, repression of labour, and this time it's nearby in South Korea. 
In what has become an unfortunately common occurrence in South Korea, authorities have once again arrested the leader of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, the KCTU. Now, Kim Myung-hwan was arrested and detained on, fr- on Friday, the 21st of June. He was charged with overseeing violent illegal acts during KCTU members um, for protest rallies in front of the National Assembly during April and May of this year. These demonstrations were held to protest changes to labour laws on working hours that will result in longer working hours and intensified work practices for most workers. Kim was uh, eventually released on bail late this week. Now, his bail conditions include a, a surety of uh, $85,000 U.S. dollars, reporting, to, pol- reporting or to police of any travel plans and be available for any new summons. The, um, the union is now planning further rallies as uh, another three KCTU organization department officers continue to be imprisoned under pre-trial, pre-trial detention, also relating to these rallies earlier this year. And um, the really um, sad part of it is that the government in South Korea is supposed to be pro-labor. Yeah, I think that was uh, made clear uh, in the wave of um, labour reforms that they introduced 12 months after their election. Um, But, you know, I think our comrades, uh, certainly the ones we've been speaking to, have um, accepted and never believed it in the first place. Uh, In the Philippines, another government that was elected supposedly on a pro-union or pro-labour platform in the early hours of Friday morning, scores of thugs wearing face masks and armed with shields and batons arrived on board a number of vans to attack sleeping and resting workers at two separate picket lines. The workers were outside the premises of their employer, the Peerless Products Manufacturing Corporation, or um, Pepmaco, which is located in Laguna, province just south of Manila. The strike had just begun on Monday as workers were complaining of mass termination, contractualisation, union busting, low wages, 12-hour workdays, seven-day work weeks and unsafe working conditions. The workers were taken by surprise by the arrival of the group of thugs as most of them were resting or sleeping. The picket line was destroyed with most of the workers suffering head injuries and requiring treatment. While badly affected, the workers have vowed to continue their strike. Um, wish you all the best, um, comrades. Uh, we return to South Korea. We're in an ongoing issue that we have reported over uh, in the last few weeks. The fight to stop the restructuring of Hyundai heavy industries into different companies so as to deprive workers of their conditions and entitlements, entitlements continues in South Korea. Following, following the successful disruption of the shareholders' meeting where the company restructuring was supposed to have been agreed to a few weeks ago, 5,000 workers braved monsoonal rains to hold a demonstration in the city of Olsen last Wednesday. In addition to losing entitlements, workers are afraid that a new merged entity would have enormous monop- monopoly power, especially vis-a-vis its supply chain, and thereby create a race to the bottom for its suppliers. The workers are also trying to stop the further concentration of power and ownership in the South Korean shipbuilding industry that is trying to use this crisis as a way to break workers' power and increase profits. And back in the Philippines, farmer, labour and human rights activists from the island of Negros in the Philippines have come together to form a new advocacy group called Defend Negros, Stop the Attacks. The impetus for this new development has been the continuing murders that have been 
um, perpetrated by death squads in the last few years during the current Duterte administration. The total so far has reached 66 farmers and workers that have been killed while there has been no prosecution for these murders. The Defend Negros will campaign to have those involved in these murders brought to justice and prosecuted. Well, that's the end of the news roundup, Giselle. I do have to say it was quite a uh, a horrific set of stories. Um, Possibly we should have tried harder to have got um, some more optimistic uh, news stories. But sometime that's where our struggle is at. Indeed. Yes, it It is 13 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. We're going to go to some community announcements and then we'll be back with our feature interview for the morning. Hey you, you who are listening. We haven't reached our target yet, but you can help us out. Log into our website 3cr.org.au or call us or 94198377 and give us some support. Help us keep running this radio for another year. We need you. What's up, listeners? This is Johnny Mac here. Just reminding everybody to tune in to 3CR at 11am each day from Monday, July the 8th to Friday, July the 12th for our special Beyond the Bars broadcast during NADOC. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. So make sure to listen in and support our brothers and sisters until they're home again. It's just on 14 past 9 o'clock here on Asia Pacific Currents, favourite community uh, radio station programme on your favourite community radio, uh, 3CR Radio. And um, we have almost reached our target, so if you have pledged to Asia Pacific Currents, please don't forget um, to pay if you haven't had done so. So thank you very much for your support. But um, we'll uh, go straight to our interview for this week. As uh, people will know, there was a general election in India um, a few weeks ago where the um, the government party, the uh, headed by um, um, Modi, which is a, a far-right party, was actually able to win and also increase its majority. So we caught up with uh, Abhidhav Sinha, a national spokesperson or and, uh, and member of the Revolutionary Workers' Party of India, to give us a bit of analysis of the results and, um, and what we can expect in the next 12 months. Can you give us an overview of the results of the recent general elections in India? This time, tragically, I mean, for working class, the uh, fascist party, Bharatiya Janata Party, led by Narendra Modi, won the elections. It was like a clean sweep. It was one of the most sweeping victories in the recent history of Indian uh, electoral system. So Modi's party alone won 303 seats out of 572 seats. And the coalition that is led by Modi, it won more than 340 seats, I guess. I don't exactly remember the number, but it, the, it was an overwhelming victory. And the opposition, main opposition party was reduced to just uh, 53 seats, Congress. 
So, I mean, they are in a position to implement or, uh, you know, pass any legislation. They are in full control right now, the fascists in India. The interesting thing is that Modi and his BJP government, one of the major issues of the last few years was the uh, disaster of the demonetization uh, they, yeah. they implemented and also there's been quite a number of corruption scandals. They yeah. obviously didn't really do much uh, against him. Why would that be? There are many factors involved. Until the assembly elections in certain states of India, provinces of India, the demonetization impact could be seen because BJP was, uh, you know, uh, defeated in uh, three major states, Rajasthan, uh, Madhya Pradesh, Chhattisgarh. So the impact of demonetization and goods and services tax, another uh, horrible policy implemented by Modi government, was very clear till last year. But two factors are involved here. One is the Pulwama attack, which many people are saying that Modi orchestrated that uh, terrorist attack in Kashmir himself, so that after that he can, you know, whip up a wave of uh, jingoism and the Balakot strike, which uh, the Indian state claimed that killed 300 Pakistani terrorists across the line of uh, control in Kashmir. But there is no concrete proof about that. There were some Indian planes that crossed uh, LOC, but there is no concrete evidence about the damage done. But the BJP, just like any classical fascist party, it can, it has a very strong propaganda network and machinery, very smoothly running propaganda machinery. And they have been using, ma- making use of uh, WhatsApp and different social media platforms in a very efficient and skilled way. And they were able to uh, make their narrative dominant and prevail before the Lok Sabha main parliament elections of India. And that is why this jingoist wave was dominating even in certain sections of the working class. And we actually went into the working class neighborhoods and certain workers were saying that, yes, there is a job crisis. Yes, we are living in dire straits. But still, under Modi, India was able to do this uh, anti-terrorist strike in Pakistan. So we are going to vote for Modi. So this also showed that what, I mean, Lenin would have said, that it is politics that decides and economic discontents do not automatically translate into political discontent. There, there is a need of a revolutionary agency that can translate the economic discontent into political discontent. And in the lack of any such agency, the economic discontent remained scattered and unconscious and the political narrative of the fascist jingoist party prevailed. That is one reason. And the second reason is the clear-cut evidence of tampering with the EVM machines. In On 370 seats, there was counting mismatch and the election commission, which is totally hegemonized by Modi and his stooges, is not ready to answer any questions being put forward by the media or the opposition. So there is a clear-cut evidence of EVM tampering and malfunctioning, which was pre-orchestrated by the BJP and its uh, entire cadre-based machinery. So these two factors are responsible for this overwhelming victory of Modi. One is the political reason and other is the technical reason of EVM. But technical reason is not the principal reason. The principal reason is the political reason. Even if EVMs did not malfunction, Modi would have won 230 seats and with the help of coalition partners, he would have formed the government. 
And of course, what we have seen, the rise of India, and, and it's interesting because we haven't really here in Australia heard much about the uh, technical malfunctions, but we've certainly yeah. heard a lot about the rise of Hindu nationalism. I would ask, yeah. uh, expect that this was also a big factor and something now to be feared after the elections. Yes, in fact, just after a couple of days of uh, Modi's re-election, there were many incidents of mob lynching uh, in the name of uh, protection of cows in India and certain attacks on religious minorities and Dalits in India. So I don't think BJP ordered these attacks, but this is how the whole political situation develops. I mean, BJP is in power and these goons, these uh, right-wing uh, militias, small militias like Bajrang Dal and VHP, they are feeling free to, you know, inflict these kind of things on minorities. So it is very clear, and especially for the working class, the immediate response of uh, Niti Ayog, the, the body which has been constituted by the Modi government, first tenure of Modi government, uh, which replaced planning commission. So it's basically new planning commission. So Niti Ayog put forward a set of uh, suggestions for the government, Two of them were basically, and the most important ones, number one and number two in the set of suggestions, was one, that the government should think about banning the right to strike in certain sectors of economy, certain enterprises. And the second was the problem of crisis and therefore the average wage of the working class has to be reduced. So average wage of the working class has to be reduced by a variety of measures. They have suggested many measures. So the anti-worker and anti-minority character of Modi government has become evident even within a couple of days after the re-election of Modi. So it is very clear. What you've just said about the uh, wanting to ban the strikes and lowering the wages of workers, unfortunately, will sound to most workers around the world as a very familiar tune by by governments. But also, yeah. I mean, we we have seen huge strikes in the last few years in India, in hmm. the Tamil Nadu, around the Haryana region, yeah. around New Delhi, and also... Uh, the Anganawadi uh, health workers have been huge mm. strike, but yeah. like you sort of alluded before, they don't have a political expression. Yes, the thing is that we have seen two kinds of strikes in India in the past decade. One is the ceremonial strike organized by the Social Democrats every year. I mean, it's a two-day strike. Basically. Uh, acts as a safety wall because the attacks in the neoliberal era against the workers' rights have increased and the discontent in the working class is has been on increase. So one way to, you know, channel that discontent into uh, something which is uh, important is to organize these ceremonial two-day strikes every year and most of the employers and the government have accepted those two days as like uh, holidays. So one is those strikes. These are regular strikes and these strikes only cover the organized sector workers, which is only 7% of total working class of India. The second type of strikes, which is most uh, you know, important and striking for all of us here, political activists, are these uh, militant wildcat strikes. One example, and working class militants, militancy. So uh, militant strike, wildcat strikes have been happening without the leadership provided by central trade union federations led by the Social Democratic Party. 
and these are basically unions formed either by some uh, revolutionary communist group or uh, by the workers themselves spontaneously in most of the cases the spontaneous workers organization uh, as the experience of last 7 8 years shows it failed after some time it uh, dissipated once uh, the pecuniary interest were either they seemed out of reach or there was a notion that some of the pecuniary interest have been fulfilled so after that these spontaneous organizations dissipated but the ones organized by revolutionary communist forces they are still persisting not in a very good shape right now but still they are fighting for workers rights so yes it is true uh, increasing workers militancy increasing wildcat strikes in india but the problem is disorganization i mean these uh, strikes are mostly economic stick and pecuniary and they lack political leadership what you have uh, described and as a way to sum up uh, this interview is the reality uh, in many countries around the world not just in our region yeah. the working class unfortunately finds itself on the on the back foot what do you think that the next 12 months will hold for the indian working class and do you see that there are avenues or possibilities to link up with struggles and movements yes. internationally yes i think the recent reports have shown that modi had uh, you know fabricated the gdp figures the actual gdp figures during his last 4 years were 4.5% and the automobile sector which is one of the leading sector of indian economy is already facing facing a slump so it is clear that indian bourgeoisie is going to face a major economic crisis it is already facing a major economic crisis but this economic crisis is going to worsen and that is why the corporate houses in india have invested crores and of rupees to you know make this possible the re-election of modi and what ma mandate they have given to modi that mandate has been given to modi for two purposes one increasing the attacks on workers right and two when faced with such attacks on the working class rights if the workers try to agitate and mobilize and organize repress them brutally these two are the most important responsibilities given to modi government by the corporate houses so in the next 12 months the struggle will intensify and the repression will intensify these two things are for sure we ca i can't say what else will happen but struggle the class struggle will intensify that is beyond doubt it is it has already started in fact the second thing is that in such a in such cases i mean since india is becoming a big automobile industry center and most of the automobile companies are either partnership international partnerships with some indian companies or international companies ford has a plant in tamil nadu suzuki has a plant has many plants in gurgaon manesar region so these plants will also see increasing labor labor militancy and strikes and in that sense i think there is a great potential for international solidarity developing links of international solidarity with these uh, workers of multinational corporations so i i am very optimistic about that and I, we have been part of uh, australia asia workers links and we think that some of the works started by aawl must be extended for example the concept of global picket line and developing international links of working class struggles so i am very optimistic about it 
Well, thank you very much, Abhinav, for that uh, very succinct but very broad overview of the elections, the reasons behind it, and also uh, the tough times that our uh, sisters and brothers uh, are going to be facing in India. And uh, mm. yes, we also hope that while we are, we are going to be facing hard times, we can actually be up to the task and actually link up and actually uh, advance the interests of, of our class. So we wish you all the best and thank you very much again. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Three CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. And it's we've just got about a minute to go, really, Giselle. And um, you just heard an interview that we did with Abhinav Sinha from the Revolutionary Workers' Party of India about the recent Indian election and uh, what it means for workers and some of the dynamics in that country, which I'm sure um, a lot of our listeners can relate um, with uh, our own situations in our own country. But, um, Giselle, that's the end of our show this week. Another information and eventful show as well, which really makes us a unique program. That's right. We are going to start our mini news um, bulletin again very, very soon. So keep an eye out for that in your inboxes, but also in your junk mail. Um, And we are hoping to get our online presence up and running again very, very soon, having been away for it for over a year, but we'll keep updating you in the coming weeks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region from nine o'clock. But come Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. Goodbye from me, Pierre. And me, Giselle. Did you enjoy listening to that podcast? Here at 3CR, we're a community radio station, and you're part of that. Right now is Radiothon, when we ask our community to pitch in with a few dollars that can help keep media in the hands of our community. This year, we need to raise $250,000 to keep the station on air. Any amount that you can afford makes a big difference. And it's really easy to donate. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your support is greatly appreciated and helps us power radical podcasts for yet another year. Thanks, as always, for listening.